Welcome to the Ink Feather podcast, which explores the worlds of sci-fi and fantasy books through those who bring them to life. Every week, we chat with authors and industry pros about their books, including new releases and old favorites. I'm Lauren, and this is episode 40, where we chat with bestselling author Sarah Holland. Sarah is the author of the New York Times bestselling Everless Books, uh, as well as her new release, Havenfall, which released March 3rd, 2020. Uh, I just read Havenfall and I loved the book. So I got in touch with Sarah and she was gracious enough to sit down with me and chat about it. Uh, We talk what it was like writing a contemporary fantasy this round versus the secondary world fantasy of the other two books. Uh, We talk about how she shaped the way that magic played out in the book, how she plotted things and much more. We also... um, discuss what it's been like being under quarantine for the coronavirus and how we're holding up. Uh, And also we talk about some really great book recommendations that she has. So all of this and more in this episode. We also have an international giveaway. So be sure to check that out in the link. Um, I'll make sure I include it in the info. We are doing for the U.S. only, we are doing a copy, a signed copy of Havenfall Uh, But for international, we have a bookmark and a door hanging, like, do not disturb sign that were both uh, pre-order swag items that she has extra of. So she's going to do signed copies of those, and those will be an international giveaway. So be sure to check that out and enter. Uh, It'll be within a week of this episode going live. On my end, uh, besides coronavirus, which the whole world is dealing with, um, I'm in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, so we're under lockdown here. We are under, you know, the stay-at-home mandate in the Allegheny County, which is the county that Pittsburgh's in. The whole state's not under lockdown, but the big cities are. So it's been an interesting couple of weeks. Um, Kind of get into it with Sarah, so I won't go into too much here, but it's, you know, it's been ups and downs, like I'm sure it has been for everybody. Uh... It's been interesting, though, I've had to shift around my business a little bit because, you know, out the gate, a lot of what I initially had planned for the next few months isn't really relevant right now anymore. So I had to do a little bit of brainstorming. And one of the things that came to mind was uh, that later this year, I was planning on releasing a a, a little class or like a tutorial class on how to launch a podcast. And so I was like, well, I'll bring that up to now because now is the perfect time. People are home. People, I'm sure there's those of you listening who've always wanted to do a podcast. Uh, It's really fun. It's not as hard as you think. And it is more accessible than you think, depending on where you're going and what you're doing. It's actually shouldn't be that hard to get it off the ground. So I kind of am putting together this little how-to book, how-to class set on basically all the logistics you'll need to get your podcast running from the ground up. Uh, So if you're interested in that, be sure to follow me on social media, which is uh, Instagram and Twitter. I have my uh, handle is inkfeatherbooks on both of those. So if you're interested, I will be posting about those. Uh, In the next like week or so, I'm probably going to get it recorded uh, I'm going to do like audio classes and then do transcripts. So I'll have that done in the next couple of days. And hopefully in the next week, I'll have it live for you guys. Uh, we talk books a little bit on here too, like I said. But uh, besides the books we talk about, uh, lately I've been reading a ton, as a lot of people have. Uh, I forgot to mention in a previous episode that... Um, And we talk about this too in this episode. I've been doing buddy reading with friends, which I've never really done before. Uh, I reached out to... My friend Amanda, who was actually the guest of the last episode on episode 39, she is Amanda the Bookish on Instagram. And I said to her, hey, do you want to do a buddy read? And basically, we've been reading two chapters a day of various books. And um, it's been really fun, a good way to get through books that we both want to read and we can discuss them. Havenfall was one of those. But uh, we started with Woven in Moonlight by Isabel Ibanez. And it was really fun to read. It was really fun reading it with someone else so we could kind of dissect uh, the story and it had a really fun magic system. She could like draw in moonlight and make it into magical thread and then weave it into tapestries and uh, a lot of really cool magic kind of stems from that, um, which was really neat. And then there are other variations of magic in the world. Uh, and of course, there's, you know, enemies to lovers kind of vibes, secret, mysterious, um, you know, swashbuckling men. And are they good or evil? We're not really sure. Uh, you know, she's basically standing in for a 
a a princess the the contessa of an, like the country basically that has been taken over she, everyone thinks that she is that ruler but she's actually uh an imposter she's a stand-in to save her life so she kind of goes into the enemy kingdom to essentially marry their king and shenanigans ensue so it was a really fun read it was an easy read it was a quick read so if you want something fun to kind of escape into uh, fantasy wise that's a great choice uh and after that i was so inspired by buddy reads that i reached out to another friend his name's brad and he is one of the two people who run audio shelf they do podcasts and uh youtube booktube stuff and he's a big audio person and he had just posted about sarah j moss and how he's never read any of her stuff and he was like what should i start with and we had a long conversation and i have never read entirely the throne of glass series i've read the first two books the first one like three times the second one twice and i just couldn't get into going to the third one I just I don't know so I was like you know I want to give these a shot I feel like these are ones that I'm supposed to read and love and I hear things get really good in book three so uh, he and I have been doing a buddy read as well uh, of the audiobooks of the throne of glass books so we've been doing basically two to four chapters a day depending on our schedules and it's been really fun to kind of um, discuss all of the plot points mainly because there's a lot that happens in those books. Holy crap. And even though I've read them before, there's good chunks of both of book one and two that I am not remembering. Uh, I have a very few things that I remember, so I'm really glad I'm rereading them. And uh, they're way more fun this time. So I think we're going to keep going and see how the rest of the series folds out in front of us. So that's great. Uh, I've also been wanting to do some like escapist urban fantasy, you know, paranormal romance books. Uh, I have Marissa Meyer on the next episode and I've been rereading the Lunar Chronicles and I discussed this in the podcast episode a little bit, but basically it was hard getting back into Cinder because there's a like pandemic virus that happens in that book. So I was kind of like, you know, I need something else that is like not going to stress me out. And I was like, maybe I'll revisit some old, um, urban fantasy or paranormal romance books. So I tried both. Dark Fever by Karen Marie Monning and Dark Lover by J.R. Ward, both the start of two separate series. And I was just sort of like, eh, like I liked both books, but I just like didn't feel the urge to continue the series. I just wasn't feeling captivated. So I was just like, am I like burnout out right now? So someone recommended Nalini Singh to me and I tried her Psy series, uh, PSY, Psy. And I liked it. Book one, I'm on book two right now. I'm almost done with book two. I might continue with book three. Um, it's a really interesting kind of magic tech world. Um, got some good smut if you're into reading that kind of stuff. If you really like your romance to be heavy in the books, it's very romance heavy, these books. It's very, um, you know, kind of wild and passionate, you know, rigid constricted kind of almost like robotic type of people versus like shape-shifting men who are all animal it's you know it's that kind of book but really fun and they were very good escapism and the plotting was really good I like the world that she's created so I'm definitely curious to see where those go so that's what I've been reading lately um and then you know there's always as we say every week there's always more books to be read so um yeah, I've had some other urban fantasy series suggested to me. If you have one that you're super, super passionate about, uh, I've read all of the Dresden books. I've read all of the Laurel K. Hamilton, Anita Blake books. I've read Marcy Thompson. I really loved Janine Frost's books. Um, so those are kind of the ones that I like the most. So if you have series you want to recommend to me, I am totally... Oh, I've also done the October Day books by Shauna McGuire. Those are really fun too. So lots and lots of great urban fantasy out there. I'm just trying to find one that's going to be good escapism so I'm totally open to recommendations okay so that's what I've been reading lately and um, hopefully you guys are holding down the forts in your own you know respective quarantine places and getting some good reading done and hopefully trying to be productive and trying to overcome this you know nebulous fear of the unknown that we're all experiencing and you know I'd say just pick up a good book and you know get away for a while and on that note, now here's our interview with Sarah. I hope you enjoy. Hi, Sarah. Welcome to the Ink Feather Podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to have you. This was sort of a 
quarantine edition last minute convo that we had um I messaged Sarah yesterday and was like so what are you doing right now I have a spot open up for the podcast and uh, I just read her recent release Havenfall which came out on March 3rd 2020 and uh it's still in my brain and I really really liked it so I was like man she would be the perfect guest and luckily Sarah was free and willing and here we are so thank you for this I'm excited to kind of dig into this book with you yeah, no problem. I mean, you know, I had a very packed schedule. Not so. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Not like we're going anywhere, I just said. Yeah. So um so Havenfall is your third book, yes? Yes. And the first in a new series. Um so for those who maybe haven't heard of it or aren't familiar with it, what is the kind of elevator pitch of the book? Yeah, so Havenfall is a contemporary fantasy YA novel. Um about a girl named Maddie who has never quite felt at home um, because she lives with her dad in a small town in Colorado after when she was a kid, her mom was convicted of murdering her older brother, Nathan. The only place that she's ever felt at home is her uncle's hotel that he runs in the Colorado Rockies called Havenfall. And unbeknownst to everybody but the family, this hotel sits on the intersection of three magical worlds and every summer plays host to a um, like delegation, a summit of, of people from all the worlds who come together to, you know, make treaties and trade and party um, and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, and Maddie has always wanted to someday take over the inn and be the innkeeper. But um, that moment comes too soon one summer when a door to a long closed off world full of monsters mysteriously reopens and someone gets killed. Um, her uncle's injured, so Maddie has to sort of step in, keep everybody calm, run the inn, and figure out what what went wrong. Man, that's a perfect description. Um, it is like it was so much fun to read because um, I loved that it was a contemporary fantasy. Uh, that was one of my favorite things was because I was like, oh, rural Colorado. Cool. There's all kinds of cool inns up there. Um, and actually I, um, I buddy read it. I don't know if you have ever done a buddy read or if you're familiar with a buddy read. Um, but I was doing it with another bookstagrammer and we basically, every day we read two chapters and then we talked about those chapters that night and she lives in rural Colorado and owns a like, or like she's part of a family run lodge slash inn in rural Colorado. So she was like, this is my life. I mean, not the magic, but I was, cause I was literally like, should I come visit? Are there going to be like hot elf guys from other country or other worlds going to come say hi to me? And she's like, you never know, you know? Yeah. That's so fascinating. I, I did grow up going to Colorado a lot cause my grandparents had a house there. Hmm. Um, so I, I grew up in Minnesota, but um, we would probably drive to um, this town called Breckenridge like once a year in either the summer or the winter. Um, and like, I, I had the idea first for like this, a magical hotel, um, hotels are such weird, like liminal spaces, you know, with people going in and out, like they're very anonymous, like they're, they can be fancy and luxurious, but yeah. it's also like a little like strange just to think about all the people passing through. Um, so I, I had that idea about a magical hotel between, between worlds, but um, I didn't know where to put it. So for a while I thought like, oh, I'll put it in New York since, you know, this is where I live. And then I thought maybe, oh, like maybe I should put it in Minnesota because I feel like the Midwest is underrepresented in contemporary mm. fantasy. Um, but then I was thinking about, I, I thought about all those road trips we took out to Colorado and, and how you sort of drive up into the mountains yeah. Um, and it's all foggy and very mysterious. And, you know, there's all these little towns, um, maybe like the ones Amanda lives in, where they're sort of, up, you know, pretty high up on the mountains and you can see them from the highway. But there's no roads leading up that are at least visible. So it's like, who's who's up there? And like, what do they do all day? And it seemed <laughs> very magical. Um, and it seemed like a good place to, you know, potentially weave in some actual some book magic. But no, it, it, I loved that it was something that, you know, I could relate to in the sense of like something fun and, you know, in our world. But then there was this like touch of magic, which was really cool. Um, when you were creating this story, you know, why did you decide to go that route? Like where was kind of the foundations of this? Because your last two books were a whole other totally fantastical world. So this is obviously um, a, a step away from that. So what made you kind of want to go this direction this time? 
Yeah, so it was a different direction, um, but I had always kind of wanted to do a contemporary fantasy someday. That was always in the back of my head, mostly because, um, you know, when I was a kid slash young adult, like the books that I loved, loved, loved were usually contemporary fantasy or urban fantasy or, you know, what have you, all those different variations. Um, you know, I loved obviously Harry Potter, yeah. Twilight. Um, I loved like Shadowhunters um, and Daughter of Smoke and Bone um, and stuff like that. Like anything that made me think that there could potentially be magic somewhere. Yep. It was just like, oh my gosh, like what if today is the day where I find the doorway or, you know, <laughs> the, the opening in the back of the wardrobe or whatever. Yeah. Um, so I always knew that I wanted to, to do that. And, um, after I, you know, wrapped up, ever listened, ever more, it seemed like a good time to give it a try now that I had, you know, built out the world building skills a little bit. Cool. So it was just kind of like, a, uh, I, I always feel like that would be like a fresh breath of air too. It's like, okay, I can actually, you don't have to build from scratch, even though you obviously maybe do some research on like the locations and stuff. It's like, you know, automobiles, I don't have to make that up. I don't have to figure out transportation, yeah. things like that. Yeah, there's definitely different pros and cons than you get with secondary world fantasy because it's it that is a huge thing. Like if you can just say like, oh, a car drove by and you don't have to say like, oh, this vehicle with the metal shell and four wheels. I mean, not that you should do that in secondary world fantasy because, you know, obviously your POV character is probably familiar with a carriage or whatever. And it would be weird if they started to describe it like that. Yeah. But you have to balance that consideration with the consideration that your reader is not probably as familiar. So you have to do some description for them. Whereas, except for the supernatural elements in, in contemporary fantasy, obviously, you can trust that your reader is, you know, basically familiar with the setting. What made you, so kind of building on what you're saying, I'm just trying to get my thoughts in order here because there's like all kinds of things I want to ask now. <laughs> um, based on kind of what you said why did you decide to do like parallel worlds as the magic as opposed to like the Narnia door or the Harry Potter magic or, you know what I mean? It's literally like uh, one of the running through lines for a good bit of the book, which also gets turned topsy turvy at one point, but we're not going to, I'm not going to talk too spoilery, even though the book's been out a couple weeks, you know, just in case people haven't read it, I want to be like, and then this happened. On the one hand, it's like March 5th seems like, 10 years ago on the other hand you know there's been a lot going on so I don't blame anyone if they haven't read it yet yes um basically one of the things that comes up in conversation is Maddie has and it sounds like you and I would also be the same way she has understandable envy for these delegates coming in with their magic powers being like oh man that's so cool you can control the weather or you can heal or you know all, all of these uh, you have giant magical creatures that you get to ride like these things that we don't have here. What made you decide to kind of go that route with the magic system? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, you know, on the one hand, I wanted to keep the whole thing pretty self-contained. Um, and, you know, maybe this is just me being lazy, but I, I, you know, had tossed around the idea of doing something very like worldwide and all encompassing, like what if everyone knew about magic, but um, you know, it's it's sort of like the butterfly effect then, you know, how far do the ramifications mm. go? What all is different? And I wanted to really preserve the feeling that this really could be real and could be happening right now, you know, somewhere in the world. So I wanted to to sort of limit it to this one little town in Colorado where the magic is. Mm. Um, and But then at the same time, you know, part of the reason that I loved all those books that I mentioned as a kid was that they made me feel like magic could be real. Um, and you know, now, even though it's looking less and less likely year by year that I will get my Hogwarts letter, it's <laughs> like, I, I still don't want to, I don't want to go around saying like, Oh, there's no magic in this world because you know, I, I don't, I don't think that is like true exactly. You know, I don't know, you know, we have books and music and all sorts of things that, if someone came from another world where they didn't have those things, like they would probably consider pretty magical. Um, so I wanted to, on the one hand, like give Maddie this feeling that I have of, of wishing I had magic, but then also not um, cheapen or devalue or play down the, the things that we do have in this world that are pretty magical. If that makes sense. You know, it's the idea of, I, I love that you are talking about the idea of, 
something magic is being accessible to us because yeah I want my Hogwarts letter too you know like we all I think those of us who read and write fantasy uh that is the dream you know that is the reason it's the it's the desire to have all of those elements but um but you were saying too like even though it's something kind of in our world and but like contained to a small place um why did you decide to kind of do those specifically like parallel worlds it's like they're not exactly another earth but they're livable earth-like worlds that have you know sentient human-like beings basically did was that kind of always an appeal like that there could be like the magic doorway essentially yeah um you know I'm I'm thinking of Philip Pullman's series his dark materials and mm-hmm. then the third I think it's the third one there they go into this world where the sentient beings are are these sort of they're called muletha um and they're sort of these creatures they have I think two legs in the front and back and they have wheels and they have like you know diamond shaped spines um and trunks like elephants and (laughs) I I super admire authors who who go who take the time to think through like oh under the conditions of you know this world that I have created how would you know evolution have happened and what Mm. would what would the beings look like that's not necessarily where my interest lies as a writer tracing back again like that whole butterfly effect thing so yes I wanted to instead um just have characters that are like pretty much just like regular people with some you know magic stuff and like different cultures and gotcha politics going on um so that we could just focus on the relationships between them versus like the more like nuts and bolts sci-fi almost aspect of it no that actually makes a lot of sense because that that gives you the freedom to not have to like you said do this crazy magical world building so to speak in our world you can kind of like you don't have to go into those details you can be like they're in that other world and maybe we'll see them in a future book and that gives you room to play as the writer but like okay this is like an ice world and this is a world with crazy storms and this is the magic that happens in those worlds done so we know going in it's like an understand thing and it was um you know it made a lot of sense it was very believable in that sense for sure yeah and you know maybe that's a like a cop out on my part but i like that it did give me room to explore and you know i won't say whether we will see any more of those worlds in in future installments but i also think that it's very natural of us as humans to to just sort of take one one thing about a place and be like mm. okay this is what this place is like um and you know to an extent that's not always the whole story which I think Hmm. at least Maddie comes to learn especially in in the next book but um in book one a little bit too I would actually say definitely in book one because uh my I think my I don't know there was a lot I liked about this book but I think my favorite thing about this book is that you kept me guessing until the end like literally like I said we read my friend and I read two chapters a day and every day we were like the speculations like were endless because we were like, wait, is he a good guy or is this guy a good guy? Is he bad now? Wait, who's what now? I've been calling it like a fantasy version of Knives Out because it's like somebody died and we're in this inn and who's who done it. But like and like the things that happen at the end, most of them, I believe, did come up in conversation at one point. But I didn't know that that was what was going to be the end. So I still felt extremely satisfied. We're like, oh, we were right. That was the thing. You know, like it was it was it was so well done, first of all. Oh Thank you. I'm so glad to hear that. And also I'm stealing that that pitch fantasy knives out. It totally is. It, I mean, because literally it's like everyone's a suspect. Who's good and who's evil? And she's like trapped in this inn. We're trying to solve this murder and these mysteries. And, and then the more she digs, the more shit comes out. And the more everything gets turned upside down. And man, it was, it was, that made it like thoroughly enjoyable to read. Like... I was so good with that. I seriously was like, I was amazed at your writing prowess with that because I was seriously like, because, you know, if you read a lot, your brain just automatically goes, oh, he's the killer or, oh, she's going to end up with him or, oh, I totally saw that coming or whatever. We all do that with right with reading. But mm-hmm. honestly, seriously, like there there were so many things that could have been the way things turned out that that you kept me on the seat of my pants. It was great. Um, was that like when you were plotting things out, were you just 
trying to like make things seem as upside down as possible because it's like the linear line at the start of the book and how she saw the world and what she believed to be truth and where it was at at the end even the things that even if she still felt the same as she did at the beginning she went through a whole tumult of emotion to maybe then come to the conclusion that she was right after all and then there were some things maybe she's wrong after all and um you know you kind of do it with almost every character like every major character has like something revealed or something switched or is it right or wrong I don't know it was like crazy to read how was that like plotting all that out well so I'm a pretty extensive plotter by nature like I I like to have things pretty well mapped out before I dive in okay so I I had outlined this and I I sort of did a couple different, you know, versions of outlines um, where I had the characters go in different directions mm. and sort of like just in quick bullet point fashion, I would I would follow that through to the end. And some of them led to more interesting places than others. So I always tried to, you know, go to the most interesting place and and, you know, the most conflict-filled places possible. Mm-hmm. One thing I, the only thing I really, really knew from the beginning was, um, spoil, spoiler, spoiler flag. Um, <laughs> so I'll, a big foundational sort of characteristic of, of Maddie's is her, her trauma over what happened in her family when she was a kid. Um, and you know, her, her older brother, Nate, um, she thinks has been killed by, a monster from another world and her her mom was arrested for it um but i knew from the beginning that he was actually not gonna have you know that be the whole story um and so one thing that i always had as sort of like a guidepost at the end of the um you know at the end of the road was what is she gonna learn about her family and and how is mm. she gonna learn it um, and so once I figured out what that would be, um, then it was kind of like, okay, so who has been involved in hiding that and why I always try to, to make sure everyone's motivations make sense, you know, whether they're a, a good or a quote unquote bad character, I want to make sure that their actions make sense from their perspective. That makes sense. So I, I sort of took out all the different players and figured like, okay, what would this person want and why? And then threw them together and saw how that would play out. It, it worked very well. <laughs> Thank you so much. I loved how you had that as a point where you knew like, okay, this is going to happen. And you were able to kind of almost work backwards from that going, well, then how do I get to this point? And then incorporate the other characters with that um, and their all of their personal interests and and um, interweaving it together. So it is, it was really um, enjoyable to read for sure. Yeah, I I can never write totally blind. Like I know some authors just do it totally consecutively and it always ends up great. But I always feel like I need to have at least a sense of where I'm going. I think um, V.E. Schwab has this too where she thinks of the ending first. Yeah. Um, and then like works her way to it. Um, and I wouldn't say I know the ending first, but I, I definitely feel like I need to have at least whether it's an image or, you know, a plot point or even just like a feeling that I know will be present at the end. I have to have that before I can really mm. sort of dig into a story. Yeah, it is really interesting talking to authors about their process because, um, you know, I definitely have spoken to people who have general ideas and um kind of see where the characters take them I do feel like most authors that I've spoken to have some sort of broad idea of where they want the story to go Mm -hmm. um the only author I've ever spoken to and I only mention this because I I, it seems so incredible to me that someone can do this and do it successfully um Emily Duncan wrote Wicked Saints uh she did not have an outline she just sat down and wrote a story Oh, that's impressive, especially because that's, you know, a pretty complex book, with lots of, you know, politics and players. And yes. I mean, obviously she went back through and filled it out and stuff, but I remember when, you know, she's like, no, I'm not really a plotter. I just sort of see what happens. And I was just like, man, that's that, awesome. I know. And I was, but like, I wouldn't like you, I would be like uh, bullet points. I'm like, I think about, um, 
Susan Dennard has been showing her like stuff recently because she's working on the current Witchlands book and is like all of her index cards are covering her bed and like she has her whiteboards everywhere and I'm like yeah that's how my brain would work too because it's like I would need to piece all the puzzles together so it is interesting to hear how different authors kind of get to that point um and like you said knowing kind of at least one of the major ending ideas uh gave you at least a place to write back from so that's really cool to hear all that going um how's book two going like are you finding a similar uh plotting point or now that you have more to work with is it like giving you more freedom within the book yeah I mean I'm sure you won't be shocked to hear that it, it, I'm putting the finishing touches on it now but it, it was a little bit of a struggle hmm. um which you know I, I think is it's not my second book overall. I know that's always a hard thing for authors. Um, and that was definitely the case with Evermore. But this one was also harder than I think, you know, from from what I can tell from talking to people and, and you know, reading interviews and stuff is that even if it's even if you have how, however many books you have, second books in a series are always mm. hard because um, now what? Yeah, exactly. Like you've built the world. Um, you've introduced the characters and you've you you know hope hopefully reach some sort of catharsis but now you have to do it all over again except more more impressive like more fireworks um so like it was it was kind of a struggle for all those reasons Mm. um but I'm I'm really happy with how it turned out and it's it's like childbirth almost you know where as soon as you're done with it the whole memory just flies out of your head um like I don't really remember writing it per se um (laughs) but it's funny um, yeah, so I, I actually, with Havenfall, I I did, like I said, take a few stabs at the outline, um, but then once I had an outline that I felt was pretty solid, it was a pretty straightforward process to just power through and write it, whereas with uh, book two, I definitely, I did have an outline that I felt okay about, but then a couple times once I started writing, it just wasn't feeling right. I wasn't feeling it, um, which is, I'm thinking maybe that there was some issues with the outline that I wasn't seeing, but I had to throw out a couple attempts um, and, and just totally start over. So I probably have, you know, like 40,000 words in my trash file. Wow. Um, but eventually, um, you know, with the help of some really great editors and, um, you know, friends and fellow brainstormers, I got something that I feel pretty excited about and, excited for people to see it someday good I'm excited I know I asked my friend before I uh got on I was like is there anything you want me to ask Sarah I said besides requesting an early copy of book two because I was like we're both like we cannot wait to read the sequel um it was yeah it was great it was a really fun read and it passed the time really well and it actually came at the perfect time because it was right when all of this madness hit our world um we are recording, for those of you listening, we are recording like at the end of March uh, 2020, which means uh, most of the world is under the <laughs> the guise of panic. <laughs> we are all, um, you know, under quarantine, most of us but self-quarantining. But yeah, everything's kind of crazy. So it was really nice to kind of escape into this kind of murder mystery fantasy topsy-turvy world for a while. It was really enjoyable to pass the time that way. Yeah, and gosh, I mean, if I I have like a whole timeline. This is always the weird thing with with contemporary fantasy is like how how closely do you adhere to the real world? Mm-hmm. Um, like I was listening to to some of your conversations with you know like Adam about Infinity Sun and stuff, but there's always the question of like how much do you take real life events into account? Mm-hmm. And I mean, Havenfall takes place over summer 2020, which I'm like, I guess they'd be fine because they're out you know in the remote mountains. Um, you know, Havenfall would probably not be a super bad place to be in a pandemic, but you know, just stuff that never occurs to you when you're writing that. Yeah, it's, it's, (laughs) it is weird to think about it. Um, are you staying sane in quarantine? I feel like I saw you posting something, um, which I actually liked and connected with. You were just like, I'm having a hard time with this. And I think most of us are having a hard time with this. Um, what's it been like for you to kind of been in isolation and, you know, work-life balance and not to go insane? Yeah, it's, it's definitely been interesting and I'd be curious to to hear if you have any tips, but, um, so I always have thought of myself as like a pretty, I lean pretty heavily towards the introvert side. 
um you know obviously I love going out and and doing things and seeing people but in in times past I always felt relieved to get home and mm-hmm. hang out you know with my own company and um in the last couple months I I mentioned that I have adopted two bunnies uh mm-hmm. so that's been fun but um especially in the in the first week or so it, like it was really hard I have a I have a day job um so I'm used to going into the office every day and um so I'm now doing that from home and still talking to people of course but um I guess I didn't realize how how much I had relied on even that you know routine and and connection and you know obviously seeing friends going to book events mm-hmm. um so I I felt I live you know I live alone um and I felt like really um, anxious and and stressed and un, un, sort of scattered in the first week and a half. And I am starting to feel a little bit better. I think that um, just sort of settling in and, and I've started building a routine where I like, you know, exercise and meditate and all the stuff that people told me to do that I never have done. <laughs> um, but, um, you know... I haven't been able to to really concentrate that much on on like reading or writing, um, which is how I usually relieve stress. So it's like, where yeah. where is this supposed to go? And um, I, I do feel a little better now. And I started reading. Um, I, I had been in a little bit of a reading slump, but I started reading The Vanishing Stare by Maureen Johnson, which is sort of similar to what you were talking about with Havenfall. It's set on a on this boarding school in the Vermont. Uh, mountains and it's a murder mystery um and that's been really great I don't know what it is about murder mysteries it seems like a lot of us are finding comfort in them (laughs) yeah it's funny I've been seeing a trend going around of people wanting to read like dystopian and pandemic books and people are like recommend them to me meanwhile I have an interview with Marissa Meyer next week and I was like cool I'll reread Cinder this is great just to refresh myself and I'm doing it on audio this time and I completely forgot that one of the main plot points of that book is a freaking virus that like is decimating the world one of the first scenes you know yeah her she won the first scenes is her in a market and all of a sudden the woman across from her is screaming because she's got the pox and then the people come in and burn it down and she's running and oh my god and I'm like I was reading it like last week and I was like this is not a good book for me I was like not okay (laughs) yeah I am definitely not gravitating towards pandemic books right now it was really bad and then what was there something else oh and then for our book club uh and this was my pick again it just happened to fall right now we read um the Calculating Stars by Mary Robinette Kowal, which is basically a like lady astronauts set in the fifties. Um, an asteroid hits Washington DC and destroys the entire East Coast, and that's the start of the book. And basically, it's about like we have to get into space, or all humans are going to die. And I was like, those were my two reading options last week, and I was like, well, this is awesome. <laughs> like, I've yeah, got to. Sounds like it would raise my heart rate. It yeah, was. I'm in, a, I'm in a book club, and just like totally coincidentally, the pick was um, Severance by Ling Ma, which I, I haven't finished it yet. I only just started it, then it got too stressful. But it's about you know, a sickness that hits hits New York City specifically, and, oh my God, and a, my God. you know, a young woman who works in books who has to sort of survive it. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that's it's, and people are literally like, "Please, I want, I'm like, they're like leaning into it." And I'm like, I don't know how you could be doing this. I mean, maybe doing it on audio didn't help either because that you know there there's more heightened emotion. I don't know, but I was doing both of those on audio. It's it's it is crazy. Um. Those sound like murder mysteries, though. I feel like maybe that's or like the cozy mysteries. I feel like I've been having yeah. people want to get into like the like the non end of the world. It's just like, OK, who done it? You know? Yeah, it's like a different kind of stress. <laughs> One that can distract, hopefully, from the virus in our world right now. Yeah. I mean, we talked a little bit about this, but how are you holding up? I'm good. I mean, I, I, for those of you listening, she lives in New York City and I live in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So uh, we're the next state over from New York and the whole state is not on emergency lockdown, but the major cities are. So I'm, we are one of those cities. And so it is basically non-emergency quarantine. Uh, but I also live alone. I have a cat and three birds and they keep me busy and, you know, doing like, you know, sharing lots of bird videos. Like I have I shared a video of some baby owls today. Like, you know, that's, that's what my Facebook feed looks like. Cause I'm like, I can't handle all this crap. Um, mm. yeah. I mean, 
kind of like what you were saying, um, you know, normally you're, these things are what read and relax you. I, I, you know, my full-time job is I'm self-employed, so I am mm-hmm. home most of the time anyways. Um, so not a ton has changed in my schedule, but the mental energy has changed, you For know? Sure. And um, that was something I did share the other day was something from, I don't know if it was a psychologist or psychiatrist, basically talking about people are feeling up in arms about why they're not getting more done. And it's like, you don't, you're, you're underestimating the amount of mental and physical energy it takes the anxiety just takes out of you like so Mm -hmm. even if you're not feeling consciously anxious the world is falling apart around you you know of course you're not gonna be motivated to clean your closet for 10 hours and that's okay if you feel extra tired and you want to nap or you're just not feeling like doing anything um yeah but I'm like you uh the first week week and a half were rough I definitely had the whole like you know I'm one of those people that's like crap well all of my business is essentially frivolous it is non-essential so like how am I going to make money in the future and no one's going to want to pay me for these things and all those things which are never good positive thoughts because you know that's not the truth and it is you know you just have to find ways to adapt and um you know and that's where I'm at so I'm still trying to um you know be gentle on myself I think that's something we all need to do too is remind ourselves that it's like if you need to just do nothing else but take a nap today or like watch mindless Netflix shows or reruns of a television show you've seen a thousand times or, you know, whatever, then that's totally fine. And, you know, I know you said this, but just to reinforce it, you know, regardless of what the government thinks about quote unquote, like essential or non-essential, like, I mean, for me, you know, podcast specifically and all sorts of like arts and media have been super essential to getting through this. Yeah. Even you know, as background noise while I cook a meal or something. Um, Absolutely. So, you know, I, I appreciate you and I hope Aww. that you and podcasters continue to work, you know, obviously being gentle with yourselves and within whatever makes you happy, but I appreciate the work that you're doing. Oh, thank you. I, you know, it is funny how things change. I, and this is me again, adapting to the current situation. Um, not that I'm home more, like I said, but I kind of am. I'm mentally home more too, because I, you know, I still would go out and hang out with my friends in the evenings or, right. you know, I have a freestanding uh, date, a breakfast date every other week with a friend. And we do like, she's like one of my artist friends. So we would like have an art date in the mornings. Like we spend the morning, you know, so there's all these things that I just don't have now. So I was like, okay, well, what else can I do? And, um, you know, for my own sanity, the past year, I was only doing the podcast every other day. And so then I was like, or every other day, every other week, I was like, every other day, God, every other week. Um, And so then I was like, well, we're home. Maybe I should just do it more frequently, or maybe I should do like less polished versions, but still good interviews that I maybe just throw up last minute. And granted, this one won't be like that, but I did have one last week where I was like, I just want to. I haven't had a podcast episode this week. Let's just throw something up. And I messaged um, the friend I actually buddy read this book with uh, has like 17 and a half thousand followers on Instagram for her book stuff. So mm-hmm. I was like, do you want to talk about bookstagram? Do you want to talk, teach people? Cause everybody's home right now. And those who are really into it are probably thinking, Oh, I could polish up my feed. Maybe I need new tips. And she was like, sure. So literally within a half an hour of me, you know, voicing the question we were recording well, and I, awesome. yeah. And I didn't overthink it. And I was like, okay, get this out into the world. And, and it was a really fun interview. And so it's just, it's, I love that this is giving people new chances to perceive the world, interact with the world, touch base with their creativity, maybe work on those projects that they've always wanted to do. Um, yeah. And like, again, this is how the world is changing. Um, you know, later this year I had a plan to release a book or a class on podcasting, I was like, well, I have done this for a while now, and maybe I could teach some people because people want to get into it. And then I was like, literally two days ago, I was like, well, maybe I should just do that now. And I wrote the outline up yesterday, and I'm probably going to record it in the next day or two and get it out because I was like, well, maybe while people are home, this might be something since they wanted to try. This is the perfect time to try it, and I can give you my knowledge, and let's do it, you know? So it's it's just adjusting, you know, it's adjusting to life. So it's, I, I'm agree. I am in agreement with you though. I love that, um, books are being cultivated, being encouraged, being devoured more. I'm seeing a lot more friends are reading. Um, though I am seeing people who are like you as well, where it's like, because of the change, their reading is maybe a little less, but I'm hoping that'll even out for everybody. But, um, you know, which, which does, feel nice at least on my end I don't know how you feel as an author but 
Um, even if tours are canceled and, you know, conferences are postponed, I think that people are going to still rally behind books because it's the perfect way to pass the time. So I think so too. And I've been, I've been really encouraged. I, I did have a couple events canceled. I, I feel so bad for, you know, the debut authors, yes. or authors who have a book out like this week or next yep. week. Um, I think that would be really rough, but I have been really heartened by, you know, all the support that I've been seeing on Instagram and Twitter and, you know, some of these live events are so cool. Like I, I tuned into some, you know, like virtual, like quote unquote launch parties mm-hmm. that I obviously wouldn't have had a chance to go to in mm-hmm. real life because they were in other cities or, yep. you know, stuff like that. I think that this is obviously a challenge for all of us, but I think it's also potentially, you know, a good way to think about, you know, making everything more, you know, maybe at the end of this, like, the world will be more, the book world will be more accessible and mm-hmm. equitable in a way. Um, so, you know, if that's the silver lining. Absolutely. Yeah, totally agree with that. And, you know, I've also love how many people are like, um, like Scribd is doing 30 days for free. Yeah. So you can access their entire, you know, digital media library for free for 30 days, um, which is incredible. I subscribe to them. So I was like, I'm all about this. This is great. Cause I do a ton, they have a ton of audiobooks and regular books and, you know, and, and like all the fitness apps that are like waving fees and, you know, just it's it's been nice to see people kind of trying to get behind this current way of living and um, still have a quality of life, which is mm-hmm. which is really great. Um, yeah, I, I, I hope that, you know, if we talk in a month, we're both like, wow, we're seeing fresh air. I mean, who knows? We never know where the world's going to end. And like I said before we started, I have uh, I do Airbnb and I have two boarders right now who are professional dancers, but they're both. uh teenagers so they still went home to their you know respective families and uh they're supposed to start up again at the beginning of may and i'm kind of like will they be back in may though like are people going to want to go to the ballet in may i don't know so it's it's still a little you know nebulous it's still a little bit scary but hopefully we can keep reading and keep writing and keep creating and you know you know uh even out that negativity negativity thinking is what I'm thinking about too just like how you were saying like the week and a half yeah I think most of us were in a weird state I definitely had that day or two last week and I've definitely been less productive but I'm trying to you know trying to shake it and trying to do what I can it sounds like you are too and hopefully those of you listening um you know I would encourage you to um maybe try something artistic or creative that you've maybe wanted to try or maybe something you used to do that you haven't done in a while uh you know pick up your art pick up your you know if you have a computer or a phone you know writing is free on those things you know um I think there's so many ways we can um fulfill and like scratch that itch of um feeling fulfilled when we're stuck in these isolated areas and, you know, not being able. And also things like Zoom. Like I had like, we had like a whiskey and tea. I'm not a big drinker, but my other friends, we they had like, like a hot toddy or one had like a Moscow mule and I had some really good tea and we did like a Zoom chat and we hung out for like an hour and a half last night just talking, you know? Yeah. I love these like Zoom happy hours that are happening. I mean, yeah, I've talked to friends that I haven't talked to in years just yeah. because, you know, the, in real life, the timing never worked out, but everybody's yeah. home. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's like, what are you doing? Well, the same thing you're doing. The whole lot of us are doing nothing, you know? And honestly, it's, it is a scary thing too, because I think it's, um, you know, um, New York is ahead of the wave of Pittsburgh, but like, I don't know anyone personally who's been affected by this disease. Um, this virus hitting everybody. And so I think that'll help that it's going to be another wave when it starts to hit the people we know. And then, you know, hopefully people recover and, um, so it's still scary, but, you know, like we still have to keep trying to live and, you know, a quality life as best we can. So, and luckily, like I said, I love that there's, you know, technology and the World Wide Web and there's so many wonderful things. Like, I don't know if you saw this, the New York Times did an article on it the other day about authors who are like authors and illustrators who are putting together little things like Mo Willems is doing like lunchtime art with Mo. And he's like teaching kids oh, yeah, how to draw that. like the pigeon on the, the bus or whatever. He's like teaching people how to draw his character. I was like, this is really sweet. And, you know, to help kids who are home from school, like give them an art class for lunch from a, you know, award-winning artist or whatever. Yeah. So it is very cool. So before we go, I usually like to ask all my authors what they've been reading lately. Um, Just, you know, and it can be across the board. This is technically a sci-fi fantasy podcast, but 
Um, you know, I know my listeners kind of read everything. So is there anything you've read lately that you're really excited about or that you want to talk about? Yeah. Well, so earlier I mentioned The Vanishing Stare, and that's by Maureen Johnson, and that's the second book in the Truly Devious series. It's it's not fantasy, but interestingly, I felt like it almost had a fantasy-type feel to it, mm. um, because like I said, it's in the mountains in Vermont. It's very remote, um, and there's a lot of cool elements where she goes back to like historical times and switches between the history of this school in the present tense and it feels very mysterious and almost magical oh that's cool so i recommend that um and i think the third so it's truly devious the vanishing stare and then the third book is uh the hand on the wall and i'm late to the party but they're all out <laughs> um i just finished um reading the anthology uh phoenix first must burn um which was oh edited yes um and that was really really good and um it's it's black women and non-binary folks uh, writing short stories about like sci-fi fantasy short stories about, um, you know, black girls or non-binary teens. Um, and so that was awesome. And, and the stories range from like really, you know, light and funny to, to like serious and beautiful. And they also sort of run the whole gamut of fantasy sci-fi, like past future. So that was really cool. Um, and, one of my favorite anthologies I've read. Um, I'm really excited for um, a couple April books that I'm excited about are um, Ray Bear by Jordan Ifueco, I think. Hmm. Um, and also Ghost Squad by Claribel Ortega. Yeah. Um, so I I have to figure out where I can actually pre-order those now, you know, with the with the bookshop situation. But yeah. um, I am not hurting for books, which is good. <laughs> this all sound like really good recommendations and we'll definitely have to link to those uh in the info below thanks sarah thanks for chatting with me this was really good yeah thank you so much for having me um this is you know always nice to to hear a human voice this I day know. and age <laughs> i know i was actually thinking that when i messaged her too i was like oh we'll get to talk to somebody today which is awesome you know that isn't like my mom facetiming to make sure i'm still alive <laughs> Um, thanks for listening guys. And, um, you know, normally the podcast has been every other week, but like I said, I'm probably going to be bumping it up to once a week. Um, next week's episode is Marissa Meyer. We're going to talk about the Lunar Chronicles and, uh, some other cool things in her life. So be sure to check that out. And we also had some recent episodes. Like I said, I did an interview with Amanda about bookstagram. I also interviewed Patricia Briggs and Cassandra Clare were the last two episodes before that. So if you like this episode, please check those out. And for now, this is Lauren and Sarah signing out. Bye.